Hey everybody, how's it going? You're listening to Power 5 Sports Podcast. Alongside Alex Maxwell, I'm Jake Gorwitz. We're back in the studio for episode number 58, and we're going to spice things up a little bit. Our game plan is to go segment by segment to get you guys caught up on the first five weeks of the NFL, followed by the latest in college football. Then we're going to take our talents to the MLB playoffs, and last but not least, wrap it all up with UFC 229 McGregor versus Habib. This has just been wild the last few weeks of sports in general. You know, you look at the NFL, how crazy it's been, some surprise teams, some teams that, you know, haven't been really good. The MLB, college football, there's a lot just around the table. And then last but not least, what happened Saturday night, McGregor versus Khabib, the, the fight after the fight, the fight itself, what's next, is there a rematch? We're going to give you guys all the info that you need, so stay tuned with that. But moving along to the NFL, let's start off with that. Jake, without further ado. Well, here we go. The NFL. I guess let's start things off with the winners. Some not-so-pleasant surprises. A couple of these teams we've expected to fare well in the first couple weeks. But who else can we start off with but the Kansas City Chiefs and the mm. L.A. Rams, the two Ooh. undefeated squads? The only two teams remaining 5-0. and But they have looked not just 5-0, and but like get out of my way type 5-0. and Pat Mahomes has been dominant along with Jared Goff with the Rams. Both squads have just looked tremendous all around. Offense, defense, special teams just knocking it out of the park in every aspect of the game. Both squads look like they're going to go far in towards the end of the year. Well, what's so special is that they each have so many pieces and they put them all together and they utilize each and every one Perfectly. of those skill positions. You got to talk about the coaches as well. Sean McVay and Andy Reid, both NFL gurus and they are cream of the crop when it comes to coaching. I mean, look at what both quarterbacks have developed some type of relationship with their coaches. Sean McVay with Jared Goff and Pat Mahomes clearly is clicking with Andy Reid. So that's something that I think that's really important to have. Well, both offenses are so simple, yet so complex at the same time. Ex- exactly. But the way that both coaches have able have been able to simplify their offenses for their young quarterbacks, that's why it's, it's been all, beautiful. That's why it's all molding together and mm-hmm. just putting everything together perfectly. When you're able to have Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, and Cooper Cup, three stud wide receivers at your disposal and utilize them all effectively along and with Todd e- Gurley in the and efficiently. Yeah. That I mean, that's the name of the game. Who else has have been looking good? Um well alongside the Chiefs and the Rams how about the Cincinnati Bengals? Low key, kind of four and one. I know we've we've given Andy Dalton a hard time in the past, but he's he's four and one. But hey, Andy Dalton has done this before. I'd like to see Andy Dalton finish. I think Andy Dalton is a a decent quarterback. I hope Andy Dalton can continue this when it comes November, December, December, January. I'd I'd really like to see that happen. But Joe Mixon has been really good. Tyler Boyd and Tyler Boyd and AJ Green have both been very solid. So, along with a decent offensive line, the Bengals are they're looking pretty good. The Bengals, no, to to start out four and zero, it's they're trending in the right direction. For sure, Andy Dalton has been slinging it around, and if Joe Mixon can stay healthy, he just right. returned from injury. 
you know, you lose um, you lose tight end Tyler Eifert for the season. Yeah. That's a tough loss right there. But the emergence of Tyler Boyd will yeah. be a key factor yeah. heading into the rest of the season. Maybe they can get the speedster John Ross going again. Exactly. Gio Bernard had a little bit of a, a factor when uh, Joe Mixon was out. but That's true. Yeah. So that's that's interesting with the Bengals situation. But what about the Saints? Drew Brees recently on Monday Night Football, the most passing yards in NFL history. Congrats to Drew Brees. Shout out, Drew Brees. That is incredible. The dude has had a 78 percentage or completion percentage his career. You know how many people can do that? You know how hard it is to throw 78% of your pass, complete 78% of your passes without anyone there? It's not easy, let alone the best defenses in the world around you. It's miraculous. That's what it is. I think Drew Brees is still underrated and underappreciated. I think he's an outstanding athlete. Congrats, Drew. Drew Brees, what an accomplishment. He deserves every yard of it. Mm-hmm. And th- when we look at the Saints, yes, they're 4-0, but they could easily be 5-0. That week one loss to the Tampa Bay Bucks. yes, their defense didn't play to their full potential, but a 48-40 to loss, mm-hmm. they weren't out of it by any No, not means. at all. It's, it's very close. Obviously, you got to look at Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, uh, maybe a little Ben Watson action. Also, who else on the running backs? Uh, Mark Ingram. He's back. He's pretty good. So the Saints, I said they're my they're my pick to go to the Super Bowl, and I think I'm going to stick with that as of now. Well, last night on Monday Night Football against the Washington Redskins, their secondary looked locked down. Mm-hmm. Marshawn were, Lattimore. Ooh. Yes, the Redskins don't have the best receiving core, uh-huh. but. Uh, Doxon, Jamison Crowder. Not bad. They're not too bad. Big target and Jordan Reed. They shut them down. That's what I like Completely. to see. And how about the way that they've been utilizing uh, the BYU product? Taysom Hill. Exactly. He's really interesting that he's like, kind of like their Wildcat quarterback. Sometimes he's in the slot. He's returning he's kicks. He's returning kicks. I've, I've never, I never in a million years would have thought Taysom Hill who's had like seven ACL injuries. He had four career, uh, four season-ending injuries oh at BYU. How? The versatility that he brings to that roster, it that's something special. And last night, just a little shout-out to Traquan Smith, the rookie with two touchdowns. Mm, I, I feel you. Big okay. numbers. Okay. Well, moving on, uh, finally, these are our last two winners. The Cleveland Browns. How have... Phew, yes, they are what? Two and two. Two, 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 two and, and one. one. Excuse me. But... That's two wins better than last year, and they've looked solid. I think Baker Mayfield has looked really good, straight up. I think Baker Mayfield has looked fantastic, and I think their defense has been pretty good as well. Well, we touched on Baker Mayfield and the way that he was able to step into that position um, on a previous podcast when we featured the NFL rookie quarterbacks and running backs. But Baker Mayfield, wow, what a job he's been able to come through with as of late. Carlos Hyde, he Ooh. has had a couple nice games. And Jarvis Landry, you know what he brings to the table. David Njoku, one of Baker Mayfield's favorite targets to look for. Sprinkle in a little Nick Chubb action there. I thought oh, he had a, sure. a few weeks ago. I mean, he had a he had a career day. Well, he hasn't had a long career, but he had some very impressive stats. And I think Nick Chubb is, I think he's, I think he's gonna his game translates to the NFL, and I think he will become the second string on, in front of Duke Johnson eventually, and I think the Browns' future is looking really bright. 
well, it's a crowded backfield. It's a crowded um, wide receiver group. And for a team like the Cleveland Browns, that's a good problem to have. For sure. I mean, you had way more problems last year, and now you're, the problems seem to be solved. For Def- sure. Defense, it'll, it'll all click. Mm-hmm. But what I like to see um, from the Browns is they're able to get in those tight, uh, highly contested ball games, right. and they're able to come out victorious. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we're gonna. I'm just gonna name one guy on the defense, and that's Miles Garrett. And I think he will be X factor. Yeah. Bottom line. What about finally one of our last winners, the Chicago Bears? I mean, the trade, the Khalil Mack trade, seemed to give them some some type of boost. I mean, the the Bears have a lot of hype around them, and to be honest, they're living up to it. I think Mitch Trubisky. I predicted. Uh, I think we both did. I think he would have a much better year too. Jordan Howard, Allen Robinson, Trey Burton, very solid, and then obviously Khalil Mack well, on that, the defensive side. That's what an All-Star, a Pro Bowler, perennial future Hall of Famer. That's what he that's brings. That's what Khalil Mack brings to an organization. Right. And on the offensive side of things, Mitchell Trubisky, you just touched on it. His the leap that he's been able to make this year is very apparent that he seems more comfortable with the Chicago Bears, and I think he's only getting better. He's a playmaker now. For sure. He's elevated his game to playmaker status. And Jordan Howard, I, I'd like to see a little more production out of him. Last game, um, before the bye week, they really got Tariq Cohen mm-hmm. involved in the offense. I think that they will continue it's to do so. a nice little so. one-two punch, yeah. Exactly. I mean... Anytime that you can throw off defenses like that, and then you add in Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, Trey Burton, right? Those you can't mess around with those guys. Yeah, for sure. But what about the losers of the league right now? The Pittsburgh Steelers. They're two, two and one. No Le'Veon. Big Ben's throwing too many picks. Too much, too much turmoil in that franchise. They're one of my losers. What about you? I agree. One of my losers. The Houston Texans. They're sitting at two and three right now. Deshaun Watson, he has not looked the same. He's had a couple nice games, but coming into the season, the Texans were a team that everyone viewed as one of those teams that can go from last to first and make that jump in their respective division. Right now, they're not putting that product out on the field. Houston Texans, they're one of my losers. Well, that was gorgeous right there. That was flawless. But what about the Oakland Raiders? 1-4 right now. John Gruden just seems like he has no control no Khalil Mack. Things are up in the air. I don't think they. I don't like that. I don't like the Oakland Raiders right now. The way things are looking, they're one of my losers right now. What about the defending champs, the Philadelphia Eagles, mm. the Philly Special? What are they right now? Two and three. You're looking to become. I think they had like three losses all last year. Exactly. You're looking to win your second consecutive title. You're coming back to the season as the Super Bowl champs. And you're two and three right now. I don't know what it is. They're not. The, I don't know if the defense isn't holding up their end of the bargain. Whether it was the transition from Nick Foles to Carson Wentz. Somebody. They need to find answers. They need to find answers. Bottom line. New York Giants one and four. I mean, ew. It's just they've been very unlucky. Odell Beckham has one touchdown this year. Saquon. Well, actually, he has, technically he has two because he threw like a sixty-yarder to Saquon. Thank so you. I'll, I'll give him two. Um, Saquon's looked very good as a receiver and as a running back, like a receiving running back. That's what they've used him more as. Yeah. And 
I think Eli is just going down the, the the tank. He's going into the tank week by week. Odell came out and said something about it, and he I agree with him to be honest. I don't really agree with a lot of things Odell says, but I agree with Odell in this situation. Now, Odell, he's making his voice heard, and I don't I think that's what they need right now. Odell, he's never been too vocal, too much of a vocal leader, mm-hmm. but you look at the games that they've played in thus far. That's a five-point loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars, a touchdown loss at Dallas, and then you lose on a 63-yard field goal at Carolina. Mm. These are close games. They're not getting blown out yeah. by uh, the New York Giants. Yes, they're last in the NFC East right now. They're 1-4. and four. I completely recognize that, but they're one of those teams. Maybe you get Evan Ingram back from injury. You just released Eric Flowers because he was just... He was a mess on the offensive line. Thank God they right. got him out of town. New York Giants, maybe look for them to string together yeah. a couple wins, but right now, loser. Yeah, they've scored the most points in their division, ironically, but yeah, that's interesting. Moving on, Jake? Atlanta Falcons, our last loser of today's episode. You know, the Falcons, personally, I wouldn't consider them a loser, but you have to put them in this conversation just because of their record. They're one and four right now, but their defense is extremely banged up. They have so many key losses on the defense, and they're one of those teams that any game can go either way right now. Their defense cannot hold it up, and the offense, they're going to continue to put up numbers, but Matt Ryan and company can only do so much. For sure. I I think that's a great way of saying things. I think the Falcons need to pick up their game. For sure. Uh, what about the players that we've seen so far? I'm going to start off with Pat Mahomes. My gosh, he's broken records on top of records as a first true year starter for the for the Chiefs. He's really clicked with Andy Reid in that offense. He's got great weapons around him, such as Tyreek Hill. Cheetah. Cheetah. Uh, he's got a great tight end, if not the best in football. I'm going to call Travis Kelsey the best, the best tight end in football. Huge fan of his. I, I think Pat Mahomes is a real gunslinger. Watch out for Pat Mahomes. I think he's filthy. Next up, we got Jared Goff and Baker Mayfield. These guys are young studs. They will be pro bowlers in the coming years. We've touched on them a wee bit earlier in the podcast. Jared Goff, part of the undefeated LA Rams squad and Baker Mayfield the way that he's been able to command that offense and really take control of games and fit his throws into tight windows right. that's very impressive. Jared Goff has thrown for like 300 yards in every single game this year. So that is incredibly impressive and I think that says miles about his performance and Jared Goff is the real deal. I'd put him he's he's living up to his first people forget he was the number 1 pick and he's truly living up to it. Jared Goff is top five quarterbacks in the NFL right now, in my opinion. I think he's going to keep going. Okay, okay. What, what about Shake and Bake, Baker Mayfield? Number one. Speaking of number one picks, how good has he looked so far? He just brings this new aspect of competitive fire and grit to a football field that not many guys bring at all. Baker Mayfield makes plays on the run, scrolling to his right or left, tight windows. He makes plays that some quarterbacks never even think about. So Baker Mayfield is a winner. He's done that at every level, and it's clearly showing with the Cleveland Browns. Two wins already, zero last year. 
I mean, clearly the progress has been made. And they're going in the right direction. This will continue. Let's transition to the running backs. A couple pleasant surprises, but not so much of a surprise. We expected this, but nonetheless, these guys are showing up and showing out. Mm -hmm. Melvin Gordon, in the preseason, we talked a lot about Melvin Gordon and what he's going to bring to the table this year, and he has done just that. He is packing the stat sheet, and the L.A. Chargers, they haven't really put together that premier record so far, but Melvin Gordon, he's there on a week-to-week basis putting up numbers. I'm I'm a huge Melvin Gordon fan. I think he's tremendous. But what about Saquon Barkley? Look at what he's done so far. Shout out, Saquon. He's my franchise player in fantasy. I really appreciate that, Saquon. Um, he's been, like I said earlier, he's been more of a, like a receiving running back more than like a, a workhorse type. Uh, I think that's mainly because their, their offensive line just isn't there yet. I think Saquon is just so good. He makes guys miss left and right. Great hands. I mean, he, he makes jukes. He's got elusive speed. He's got breakaway speed. He's strong as an ox. Saquon Barkley will be one of the best running backs, if not already, in the NFL. Let me throw some stats at you here. Saquon Barkley, he has 15 first downs rushing, three touchdowns, and he has five rush rushes of over 20 mm. yards. As a rookie, that's impressive. And then you move to his receiving stats. 10 first downs. He's one of those guys that'll get the job done. Eli Manning can check down to Saquon when that offensive line collapses. And Saquon, he's got two touchdowns already receiving. That's impressive. I mean, he's averaging what? Like 8.8 per reception? And he gets a lot of receptions, just an FYI. Most important stat right here, 99 yards after the catch for Saquon Barkley. That is incredible. If you can bring that type of elusiveness that there's something about Saquon that is so special and in year one you know what you're going to get from him if the offensive line gets their stuff together I think he can become an all-around back meaning a workhorse running back a outstanding receiving back and I think he'll become if they can get his stuff if they can get their stuff together I think he'll become the best running back in the NFL moving on last one James Conner Le'Veon's absence obviously created this spot an opportunity for James Conner. Mm. He's been making the most of it. The Steelers, they're up in the air, but James Conner has been one of those nice constants for that organization. Wide receivers, I'll go down the list. You can touch on each of them. Adam Thielen for the Minnesota Vikings, Cooper Cup for the LA Rams, and Tyler Lockett for the Seattle Seahawks. And last but not least, Kenny, my man, Galladay from the Detroit Lions. Woo! All right, Adam Thielen, first player in NFL history to have five straight games with over 100 yards of receiving. I mean, that is incredible. He was, I don't think he was, there's no way he was drafted. No, he wasn't. Minnesota State. Here's a a little bio. Mm. Undrafted, like you just said, Minnesota State. What was it, a $500 scholarship to go play football? Yeah, D2. To play football right there. And this right now, he's, and right now, he is the best wide receiver in the NFL. I think he is dynamic, elite, great hands. Clap it up for my boy Adam Thielen. Congrats, buddy. Cooper Cup. He's been outstanding so far. The LA Rams are just rolling and clicking on all cylinders. Cooper Cup is low key the best receiver on that offense. 
and I think he's a premier receiver in the NFL. Year two, he's really stepped it up. What about Tyler Lockett? Finish things off, Jake. Well, don't forget about Kenny Galladay, but Tyler Lockett, he's so quick. He's one of those players that can just sprint right past the defensive back. Mm-hmm. And Doug Baldwin, my man Dougie over here has been a little hurt throughout the season. And Tyler Lockett has really stepped up in his absence. Tyler Lockett, I mean, he's one of those guys that Russell he's hard Wilson, to cover. he's more than hard to cover. Russell Wilson, he's definitely his favorite target. Yeah. And I don't know, he's just one of those guys that brings a different aspect of the game to your team. I really like Tyler Lockett. I think he's a tremendous wide receiver one to have in your in your franchise. I, I really believe that. But finish things, finishing things off with Kenny Galladay, the Detroit Lions offense has been a little shaky at times. You know, Marvin Jones hasn't really been stellar, um, to say the least. Golden Tate has had, like, just long runs, it seems like. Um... I don't know. I think I truly think Kenny Galladay has been the best overall receiver as of now. You know, catching tough balls through traffic. I think Kenny Galladay could emerge to be one of the best receivers in the NFL. I really like Kenny Galladay. I think he's a great player to have on your roster. Give me him on my team any day. Oh, I would take Kenny Galladay any day of the week. What he brings to a team like the Detroit Lions, when you add that third premier wide receiver... I mean, that really spreads the offense around. It keeps defenses guessing. And Kenny Galladay, he's that deep threat. Yeah. He's that short to mid-range throw that can get you the first down type receiver. He does it all for Matthew Stafford. And you combine that with Golden Tate and the talent of Marvin Jones Jr., you have a three-headed monster right there. Yeah. All right, switching gears to college football. There's been a lot of stuff that's been going on in that world. But let's get into some teams. Let's get into some teams that have been kind of low-key, some teams that have emerged. I think, speaking of emerged, Notre Dame. Look what they've done so far. Ranked in, what, the top five? Some even have them in the top four, uh, depending on you know who you look at. Notre Dame has looked solid so far. They've had a few great wins. Yeah, they're ranked number five. No, most notably, their win over Michigan, first game of the year. But they also have beaten Stanford, and they've also beaten Virginia Tech. And with Ian Book at quarterback, things have changed completely. Well, and they just, they didn't just beat Stanford and Virginia Tech. Those were convincing wins. You beat a team like Stanford, who was then ranked 7th in, the, in the nation. You beat them, you beat the Cardinal 38-17, to 17, and you go at Virginia Tech, to play the Hokies, and you blow them out 45-23. to 23. Mm. If you're a part Saying of the... something. No, that's sending a message. If you're a part of the uh, the committee to pick the college football playoffs at the end of the season, and you look at this resume, that is something special, and that that's a resume that no other team has. Right, I think, I think that's a great way to say it. What about the West Virginia Mountaineers? Will Greer has just... They're one place behind... Notre Dame. They're ranked number six right now. Their offense is clicking, led behind Will Greer and David Sills the fifth. I mean, that duo is just incredible. Uh, they also have other receivers on their squad that contribute as well, but we're going to highlight uh, David Sills and Will Greer for you. Will Greer, we'll get into him a little more uh, when we talk about the Heisman, but 
I think West Virginia's solid. I think their defense is a little underrated, even though they do give up some points. But the rest of their season, they don't really play that many good teams besides, you know, Texas obviously is a great game, and Oklahoma as well. But, I mean, I think they, they got to win one of those games. They will win one of those games, in my opinion. I think, tech, I think West Virginia is the real deal. No, the Big 12 Conference, every game will be a shootout. When you play Texas and Oklahoma, the defenses, they'll allow big-time plays. Every team here has... They all seem to be solid. Like, every team is, like, besides, like, Kansas is, like, decent, it seems. Right. So that's... And, well, and even Kansas, Kansas for is... the first time in a while, has picked up a couple dubs exactly. here and there. yeah. But West Virginia Mountaineers, Will Greer is... A big time performer. Mm-hmm. He's gonna go out there. He'll be, he'll be playing on Sundays. Let's just say that. Oh, he's one of the best prospects on my draft board. Will Greer. He he has the experience. He's a field general, and I like what he's I mean. Been, he, I like what I've been seeing out of him. The Mountaineers. They're one of the few teams that have really separated themselves from the pack in the college football playoff race, in mm-hmm. my opinion. You know, you have this top tier, and I think Will Greer and David Sills propel the Mountaineers into that conversation. I, I can't disagree with that at all. Let's move along to another team in the Big 12, Texas. Te- is Texas back? Is Texas back? Is Texas we, back? We've been discussing this for so long now, and honestly, we've been on both sides of the ball. Yes, they're back. No, they're back. They have more work to do. Oh, wow. Great win for this team. Texas, I think we have finally come to a conclusion, or at least I have. That game last Saturday was incredible. The Red River, Red River Rivalry, uh, they really live up to the hype. They don't really play that many tough teams. I mean, like they play West Virginia. and that, that, So worst case scenario, or realistically, they lose two games. That's still a really good season. I mean, they were like five and seven every year for a little bit. So Texas, along with led by Sam Ellinger, I think he's a. Hey, what about a, what about the wide receiver Lil Jordan Humphrey? Lil Jordan Humphrey has not been a disappointment so far. He's got 535 receiving yards and four touchdowns. What up, Lil Jordan? I think Texas is back. That's just my opinion. They're five and one. They just beat the best team, arguably Oklahoma, in the Big Twelve. We'll see. How about notable wins against USC and TCU, who were both ranked? Yeah, but you got to also look at their one loss to Maryland. I mean, see, there's there's been both sides of Texas. I think they're they could I feel like they could lo- they will not they will lose somewhere to a team. I feel like they'll lose to a team you don't expect them to lose to. I feel I, like that's I, just it. I would agree. I don't think that they've reached that level of that, cementing, of, "Oh, yeah, they're going to be back. They're going to be elite." I don't think they're there yet. Yet. Right. Yet. That Maryland game, just to talk about that for a quick second, Maryland, they actually lost to Maryland last year as well. For whatever reason, this Maryland-Texas matchup is, it's kind of you know, it, it brings the excitement. It sparks fireworks, and for whatever reason, Texas couldn't get the job done. Yeah. But for me, at least, wins against ranked opponents like USC, TCU, and Oklahoma, that, that, that really gets you that over overarchs home. everything. Yeah. All right, moving on to the SEC. Kentucky. The Kentucky Wildcats have been a complete surprise, a massive dark horse. A pleasant surprise. I'd say, I'm, I'm happy to see it. I, I love seeing teams that kind of just are dark horses. 
Yes, they did lose to Texas A&M last week, but you got to look at their main win at Florida going into the swamp and beating them convincingly by 11 points. They haven't beaten Florida in like, what, 40 years? I remember that oh, was it everywhere. Was, it, it was, was a, in the like 70s. And it was a big stat. We were looking at maybe 28 to 30 years. Yeah, I mean, you got to talk about the main workhorse, Benny Snell Jr. Look at what he's done. He's got eight touchdowns right now, 700 yards. He's been really, he's been lightening it up. Uh, they do have a decent quarterback in Terry Wilson. I've seen him sling it. I saw him have like a 60-yard touchdown pass. Yes, his stats aren't amazing. I don't like his QBR. His Q, okay. 43.3, that's not going to do it for me. But Terry Wilson, whatever. He's, he's more, if you're, he's if more if of you're, a running back. He's more of a running quarterback. That's that's true. That's You hit it spot on right there, Alex. The Kentucky Wildcats, I like to see him in the rankings. I like to see them like doing to see well face in, in the, the SEC. Yeah. It's... You know, it brings a new energy it to does. the conference. It, that's exactly what it does. It, it challenges the, you know, the big fellas that are always there on right, a year-to-year right, basis. Right. But Benny Snell, he was really in that Heisman. He still is. Well, I mean, yes, not, he, he, not as much so because I think his campaign took quite a hit uh, in that Texas A&M game. Sixty yards on thirteen attempts. Yeah, the Texas A&M defense they were able to contain him. But Benny Snell, you know, you make. You have a big performance against a, a team like Georgia in a few weeks or even a, a team like Missouri, and you're right back in For that sure. discussion. Right now, the SEC East is it's interesting. It's Georgia, Kentucky, Florida, and I think all three of those teams, it's kind of up for grabs right now. Well, I'd love to see Kentucky give them a, shan- well, give them a shot. If, you, if you're Kentucky, you have the head-to-head over Florida. Yeah. And... Maybe Georgia slips up. slips up either against Kentucky or in a different conference game, and you're right there at the end of the we'll season. See. If you're the Wildcats, you're right there, and the conference is there for the taking. There's a lot to build off of, and Kentucky has one of the best defensive players in the country. Josh Allen, a linebacker, one of the best players in the country. He's all over all the mock draft boards. So Kentucky's got a lot of confidence and a lot of momentum building up throughout the rest of the year. But fine, let's let's move on. Uh, who do we got? UCF. UCF. Mackenzie Milton. How has he looked so far? I mean, he's looked fantastic, flawless, absolutely amazing. <laughs> let's throw a little more adjectives out there. Well, I could go on and on about <laughs> Mackenzie Milton. You, uh, the UCF Knights, they're off to an undefeated five and zero start, ranked tenth in the country. Not many notable wins. A couple non-conference W's against South Carolina, UNC, Pittsburgh. Some nice ACC opponents. But Mackenzie Milton, he is absolutely lighting up the scoreboard. 15 touchdowns. 1,500 passing yards as well. And a QBR of 90.5. Killing it all around. Killing the game. UCF is well... I think they're a well-deserved uh, ranked number 10, 5-0. I think they're going to win out. I think they're going to... They're going to be in a group of six. Hopefully, they can pull it off again. What if they're twenty? What if they're twenty eighteen champs too? Wow, that that would be impressive. That would be quite, back to back. I think you got to give at least one of them to them. That would be quite the storyline. But don't be fooled. This Knights team will be tested even next week when they go when they travel to Memphis. Mm. Memphis has one of the best running backs in the country for sure. And then later in the season, you play a gritty Navy team. Followed up by back-to-back matchups against ranked Cincinnati and ranked 
Don't South sleep Florida. on Don't sleep on Charlie Strong's South Florida Bulls. I mean, low key. Shout out Eddie McDoom. Shout out Eddie McDoom transferring to the Bulls, baby. Uh, that'll be interesting. That'll be really interesting to see how UCF finishes out the rest of the year. But finally, one of the teams we're going to highlight, NC State. Uh, they have a very interesting team right now. Um, they've had not many notable wins, but next week on October 20th, or not two weeks, on October 20th, they play at Clemson. That is going to be a ferocious game. That is a massive gut check for the NC State Wolfpack. David Finley, or I'm sorry, Ryan Finley, is their uh, their running or their quarterback, and he's been very solid. He's been around for a long time, it seems. I think NC State's interesting. I think two losses is realistic for the rest of their season. Three losses, which is a very big victory in the long term. I would give it. They have the potential to be a one-loss team at the end of this season. Yes, I uh, I see this upcoming game against Clemson. I would chalk that up as a loss for the Wolfpack, but you you look down the down the line here you have Syracuse Florida State Wake Forest Louisville North Carolina and you conclude your season with East Carolina you know if you're NC State this is looking quite promising yeah if you get you just got to keep it up you got to play hard and you got to you got to scheme Clemson cuz Clemson has not looked perfect right now no they definitely they're vulnerable Clemson, Absolutely. they the don't freshman ha- quarterback. Exactly. Attack, they, attack him. You have to get after Trevor Lawrence. You have to put together a game plan that will keep that offense busy and keep them on their toes. NC State, they had their game against West Virginia canceled earlier in the year. That well, probably well, would have been a loss, but I think we'll see. The main idea when I look at the NC State Wolfpack is just because they're undefeated doesn't doesn't mean that they're playoff worthy. No, absolutely. Um, you know, all records are compiled differently, but right. If you're sitting here five and zero, second in the ACC, yeah, it's that's no that's no joke. You can't take that away from them. Yeah, obviously, it's it's important to start off good, but it's more important how you finish as well. So that kind of caps things off with um with our teams, but let's get into some individual players. The Heisman race. Everybody loves to talk about it week by week. And you got to start off with Tua, Tua Tagovailoa from Alabama. He's looked flawless, literally flawless. Zero interceptions, a QBR of 99.9 pretty much. Every game, he's like he's getting like 99. Literally every game. This season, he's had a 90, 98.5 QBR. Which is, I can't even, I don't even, I'm not going to, I can't even wrap my mind around that. He doesn't even play the second half, really. He looks like a robot out there, just flinging around 50-yard bombs to Jerry Judy. And Alabama just looks ridiculous. I think Alabama, if they don't win the national championship, I don't know. That's just going to be interesting if they don't. Right now, it's theirs to lose, straight up. We could just go about, we could obviously talk about this all day, but two is my number one right now. You have to have him at number one in your Heisman race. There's no other way to put it. Tua, he. What else is there to say yeah, about him? He's perfect. He's literally perfect. You summed it up. He's a baller, and 
he's really proving his case right now. Real quick, shout out Jalen Hurts. He is so good, and it's it's really tough that you know Tua has been a stud. But shout out Jalen Hurts. We haven't forgotten what you've done. He's a really good quarterback as well. That's true. Dwayne Haskins from the Ohio State University. Haskins, he had a field day on <laughs> Indiana. Six touchdowns. Completion percentage oh of gosh. 75%. Oh, my gosh. He has 25 touchdown passes already. Only four interceptions on the year. Two of them came in that game against the Indiana Hoosiers. But he's approaching <laughs> He's approaching 2,000 yards passing through the first couple weeks. That's incredible. Throwing bombs, like 20, 25 touchdowns. It's impressive. His Heisman stock it's is, definitely in, is improving. Yeah. It's on the come up, and you're going to have to watch out for Haskins. He is filthy. Yeah, watch out for him. Big time. What about Kyler Murray? He has been outstanding as of now. He's putting up crazy numbers, probably the best numbers out of anybody. Um, He's got 1,700 yards already, 21 touchdowns, 3 interceptions, and 96 QBR, along with 377 rushing yards and 5 touchdowns. Very efficient at, at all sides of the ball. He throws dimes, he's very athletic, he's very smart, and he doesn't seem to get rattled whatsoever. He throws a great ball, great deep ball, tight windows. Kyler Murray is outstanding. He's, he's also a, really good at baseball too, but yeah. Yeah, this is it's so hard to believe that an athlete like Kyler Murray, this is his last year playing football. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're drafted 8th overall by the Oakland Athletics. You sign a big rookie contract. <laughs> And you're the starting quarterback Shows for up the late Oklahoma to Sooners. Remember that? He showed up late and he got like he didn't start the game, but he still finished with like 40, 400 yards. That's, like, he's so good. He's electric. There's not many players that we can use, that we can refer to them as electric. Mm-hmm. We've talked about Deshaun Watson in his yeah. electric play. Mm-hmm. Kyler Murray, he fits that word. He almost mounted the biggest comeback in Red River showdown history in that game against Texas. Yeah. That fourth quarter, he just came right out of the gates. He was not going to put up with anything, and unfortunately he couldn't make up uh, the deficit, but Kyler Murray, you still have to have him in this conversation. For sure. My hat's off to Kyler. He's an outstanding athlete. That's so hard to do what he's doing. I respect that, Kyler. My man. All right. Will Greer, we've already kind of talked on, touched on Will Greer. He throws an outstanding deep ball uh, to his favorite guy, David Sills. He's got, what, how many yards this year? 1,800. Oh, my gosh, that's a lot. 21 touchdowns, a 71 completion percentage, and an 86 QBR. He's been outstanding. Shout out Will Greer. I think, I think he's got a shot at winning this. Will Greer, I think if the West Virginia Mountaineers continue their stellar play, I think Will Greer will continue to be in this Heisman race. Um, I wouldn't say that it's completely dependent on the success of his team, but it does not hurt by any means. The one blemish that he's had is those three red zone interceptions yeah. against Kansas last week. I don't like that, but it's very surprising. He, he made up for it with those four touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really interesting. Finishing, finishing things off with Mackenzie Milton. Uh, he's been really good for with UCF. He's had great stats, and they've just been cruising. I think UCF is really good, and 
I think Mackenzie Melton, I don't think he'll win the Heisman, but he'll definitely get mentioned because I think UCF will go undefeated, and he'll just get, you know, mentioned as uh, out of respect. So, yeah, that's pretty much it for the football side of things. Uh, moving on to the MLB. The playoffs are going on right now, and let's dive into the National League. There's been a lot of action there, and what do you got? Well, to kick things off, the Brewers just swept the Colorado Rockies 3-0 in that divisional matchup, and Christian Yelich has been on fire lately. Christian Yelich, he's oh gonna my gosh. He's going to win the MVP for the National League. I mean, he's obviously we've been huge fans of Christian Yelich ever since he's been in Miami, and his game is truly elevated since he's been in Milwaukee, and that's really translated to the playoffs. He's been red hot along with Josh Hader. I mean, the Rockies have been, or the, I'm sorry, the Rock, not the Rockies. The Brewers have just been lights out with a massive sweep to go on to the NLCS. But that outfield for the Milwaukee Brewers, Christian Yelich, Lorenzo Cain, Ryan Braun, mm. that is unbelievable. That's Woo! unreal. You're hitting dingers after dingers. They're, they're going to be a tough out, let me tell you. Yeah. And But just, I understand the Rockies got swept. But how about the Rockies? They were able to come through in the clutch in that wild card game. And Nolan Arenado, he's a stud. He's been in the NL MVP race for quite some time now. But I think it's Christian Yelich's uh, award at this point in time. And the Dodgers, they defeated the Braves. They took them out uh, with a 3-1 to series victory. The Dodgers are looking pretty good. They have a... Very complete lineup. The pitching rotation is really coming around, obviously led by Clayton Kershaw. So you have that Brewers versus Dodgers NLCS matchup. What are your thoughts? I mean, is it the Dodgers' year? It seems like the Dodgers have just been very unlucky year after year. Like the last year's like last year's World Series, there's plenty of opportunities. They just didn't seem to capitalize on any. You know, they didn't really seem to jump on them. You know. And, and years prior, they've just been very unlucky against the Cubs. And it's just like, it seems like everything's been against uh, the Dodgers at, at, at many years in the past. So maybe this year, if they got such a good team, I could go on and on. They got a filthy can, can team. Can we just name one through one through nine in their lineup? These guys are all all-stars. Like, these guys, Manny Machado, Max Muncy, Brian Dozier, Jock Peterson... Cody Bellinger, Yasiel Puig. Um, you got to look at Justin Turner, the Red Rocket. Um, Kenley Jansen's an outstanding picture. And, of course, with Clayton Kershaw. Kenta Maeda's also really good. Rich Hill's been good. Walker Bueller, Alex Wood. How does this team not win the World Series they, they every year? They literally have it in their palms right now. They just got to capitalize off the opportunities, not make any mental mistakes. And I think they got the talent to at least, you know, go to the World Series, let alone win it. That's it for the NL. Let's 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 move to the AL. What about the Boston Red Sox? They've had so many wins this year. They've been filthy. Right now, they're playing their best friends in the New York Yankees. <laughs> um, right now, they're up two to one, and they put a whooping on the Yankees last night. Oh, 16 to 1. Absolute rout. They Luis Severino throws massive heat and they hit him. I don't know how you hit him. I mean, we were talking about gunslingers in our football 
I mean, oh my Luis, gosh. Luis Severino is incredible, one of the best pitchers in baseball right now, and they were hitting him. I mean, you got to look at Mookie Betts. He might win the AL MVP. Uh, Xander Bogarts, J.D. Martinez, Andrew and, Benatendi, yes. Jackie Bradley Jr., uh, Chris Sale. I mean, Ian Kinsler, Eduardo Nunez. Very, very solid team with a lot of big bats, it seems like. And the Red Sox are very deep in the bullpen as well as their starting rotation. The Red Sox, like I said with the Dodgers, if they could easily get to the World Series with talent alone, the Red Sox could easily get to the World Series with their talent. And honestly, it looks like they're going to finish off the Yankees. That's just the vibe I'm getting. Well, when you have Craig Kimbrell holding it down in the in the pen as your closer, that's a nice piece to have. Yeah. That's many doesn't, doesn't it, make things easy. In many situations, that's the difference maker. Mm-hmm. If you can't close out a playoff game in October, you're not going far. Yeah. At 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 all. Rafael Devers is another name mm, that, yeah. we, we, that we that we left out. Yeah. Brock Holt just hit for the cycle, cycle. last Ooh. night. Big, okay, Brock. Big name there. Uh my boy. Big time Brock. Big time Brock. Yeah. Uh, JD Martinez, just a little side note. He's one of my favorite players. I think you're a big fan of him. I love too. Mookie Betts. He's one of my favorite players as okay. well. Okay. Well, I love I, Mookie. I'm a big JD guy myself. I would love to see JD Martinez really capture that ultimate goal of a World yeah. Series trophy. The Yankees can they come back? They got so many good players. So it's interesting. Obviously Aaron Judge and John Carlo, but I think they got the pitching as well to put them back in it. I mean, Luis Severino just didn't have it last night. But he's not their only guy. I mean, Tanaka is very solid. Um, CC Sabathia has been up and down. J.A. Happ, Dylan Patances, Araldis Chapman. So, yeah, definitely the bullpen is there. Zach Britton. So, yeah, the Yankees have the arms to do it. It's just sometimes the ball is going to bounce your way. Sometimes it's not. We'll see. It'll be very intriguing and interesting to see how this massive rivalry plays out. I got the, I got the Red Sox advancing, but anything can happen. Anything could happen. You're exactly right on that. And I think that the Yankees, their X factor, the difference maker for this team, will be the production out of their young stars. You have to have numbers from Gary Sanchez, Glaber Torres, Miguel Andujar, and Aaron Judge. Yeah. I mean, the guys the guys that get paid the big bucks got to step up. Gary Sanchez as well. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon, D.D. Gorius, Aaron Hicks. A lot of big bats in their lineup so let's that'll be very interesting but there's another matchup that just happened the Astros just swept the Indians the Astros look phenomenal I keep saying that there's so many teams that are so talented to go to the World Series throw the Astros in there reigning champs Justin Verlander Josh Reddick uh, George Springer Jose Altuve Alex Bregman Carlos Correa Evan Gaddis, I mean, this is this this isn't just the All Star team we're talking about. This is the Houston Astros. They're filthy. Garrett Cole has been filthy. Charlie Morton, Lance McCullers. I don't even I don't even know. They're so good. Dallas Keuchel. I mean, the Astros are filthy. I think the Astros can go far. I think the Astros can go to the World Series. It's just a matter of who who gets hot, who pitches well. Who doesn't make any errors? 
and who steps up. Well, the obviously a- the talent is here with all these teams. It's just a matter of who steps up. The Astros, they've been in this position, obviously. They put it all together last year, and I would not be shocked if they do it all over again. If they run it back and capture their second consecutive World Series trophy, Yeah, they have the talent to do so. Absolutely. They, they limit their mistakes fielding-wise, and they bring the bats when the bats are needed, and that's what you need. Okay, so we've we've recapped everything. What are your what is your World Series prediction between all of these teams? NL, AL, give me give it to me. Straight up. Give me your teams and then give me your final. My teams to well Astros are going mm. to the World Series on the behalf of the American League and the National League. This is honestly a toss up for me. I want to say the Milwaukee Brewers but I don't think they're there yet. I think we will see a World Series rematch. I would Ooh, not be shocked. Round two. I, It wouldn't surprise me. And I, it's so early. It's so hard. It's also. so hard to predict at this stage. As of right now, I'd like to say that I'm, that I'm predicting a Dodgers-Astros rematch. Mm, mm, mm. But the Red Sox, I think... My viewpoint will shift if the Red Sox take care of business in the next game and win that series 3-1 against the Yankees. But if the Yankees push that to another game or two, Ooh, things will then change, yeah. this is another conversation because I could easily see the Red Sox being in that position as well. But if you're looking for a concrete answer right now, Astros-Dodgers rematch. I love that. I You broke it down, gave it to the people. You gave them what they wanted to hear. Beautiful. What I got is, I got the Red Sox coming out of the AL victorious, and I got the Milwaukee Brewers coming in hot. Do you now? I do. Tell me about it. Brewers versus Red Sox. Both teams are swinging the bats right now. Not giving up a lot of runs either. Playing great defense, and at this time of the year, the talent is all there. The pitching is all there. It's all a matter of who's hot, who makes the plays, who steps up. And I think both teams will both step up, and this will be a tremendous rest of the MLB playoffs. Can I just say what I'd like to see happen? I'll give it to me. How cool would it be to have the New York Yankees play the LA Dodgers? That would be kind of sick. New York, that, LA. That would be a sweet, huge matchup. matchup. Money just making. These, talk about big money markets. Making. Big markets. These teams have been around for forever. The history. The, the greatness that comes along with these franchises, the Hall of Famers, the the big numbers, that that's just a dream come true. East Coast for West Coast rivalry. I mean, exactly. it brings it back. And even if we have a, a Yankees-Brewers, that's you know, still. young versus old. Yeah, I mean. That would be sweet. I don't think, I mean, the Yankees, it would be monumental if they come back from this 2-1 deficit, let alone continue this run and take yeah. down the Astros to make it to the World Series. That's just what I would like to see happen just because of how cool it would be. Yeah, that, that would just be that would be like a real cool baseball kind of fantasy type of matchup they have. All right, and finally, switching gears to UFC 229. This recently just happened this past Saturday and this was hyped up to be the biggest fight in UFC history. 
And personally, I thought it lived up to the hype. Conor McGregor versus Khabib. This was this was really good, but we're going to give it to you round by round before the mayhem after the fight. So first round, Conor McGregor. You know, obviously Khabib's going to go in there and try to maul you and try to wrestle you. So yeah, McGregor's strategy was to conserve energy on the ground, not take too many blows, not burn out. So he wanted to conserve his energy. Uh, moving on to the second round, Khabib really established the ground and pound. Jake, what did you see? Well, I think, because we watched this actually together. We had a we had a little Power 5 <laughs> viewing party for UFC 229. And McGregor, I think at this point in the fight, he was hoping that Khabib would gas out. He would start to, um, you know, the fatigue would start to kick in. But McGregor took that big hit. Oh, I my think, gosh. I think he was anticipating another takedown yeah. from Khabib because Khabib... Throughout all four fights that it, it lasted, he was really playing to his own strengths in that wrestling ground-and-pound game like you just mentioned. And I think McGregor, he was just a little... He caught. He was caught off guard. Yeah, that was a ferocious and right hook that could be... That was a hell of a swing right there, folks. Yeah. So that second round definitely belonged to Khabib. I thought the first round was kind of like a set the tone. No, I don't. I wouldn't say anyone really won that. That was just kind of like laying on the ground the whole time. But second round, Khabib really made his presence felt. Third round, I saw this as a huge opportunity for McGregor. This was his chance to get back in the fight to really take control, maybe gain some momentum. I think that you know, well, this round was McGregor's best round. There's no Definitely. doubt about that. It was mostly on the feet. I mean, honestly, for the whole time, it was... That's where he thrives. Exactly. Connor is a striking fighter. And let's just just throw this out there. Khabib has never lost a round in the UFC. And Connor really, really won this round, I thought. He, Khabib was a little tired from laying on the ground for about five minutes straight, trying to choke him out. And I thought, obviously, he didn't knock him out. But I thought he landed some more significant punches than people are giving him credit for. I mean, he hit him with a nice uppercut, a couple one-twos, and I thought Khabib was stumbled for a little. He was, he was a little surprised. I mean, he hit him hard. Obviously, you know, Khabib takes it like a champ, but he hit him harder than people give him credit for. This was a real fight going into round three. It looked like Connor was coming back. He definitely was, but I mean... Khabib weathered the storm. Well, it was just, there was that missing piece for Conor McGregor. I really liked the body shots that he was giving Habib. Yeah. I don't the I front don't think, kicks, like the stabbing front kicks that he gave him. And Habib really wasn't ready for those. He, no. He, was, you know, he you, seemed vulnerable in that aspect. You could tell that he was, at least to some degree, rattled by those, by those body shots. But at the end of the day, in this third round... Conor McGregor didn't capitalize on this opportunity. He, There's no doubt that he landed more punches than people are giving him credit for, but he didn't land that knockout punch, no. that that hit to Habib that really could have swung the momentum of that fight towards him. For sure. And then to the fourth round, the final, the final round, Habib implemented his wrestling instantly. He could see, he could sense that Conor kind of had this he was he was the fight was turning towards his favor so Khabib had to end it fast and he went straight to his bread and butter right to his wrestling 
And, you know, at the end of the day, he's probably the best wrestling, probably the best wrestler in the world, one of the best wrestlers of all time. And it really showed. But Khabib won the fight in the octagon, but he does not have his belt, and lots of people do not respect him because of what he did after the fight. Just a terrible display of sportsmanship, you know, crowding Conor McGregor after he beat him and talking trash to him, very low class. And then he jumps over the, the octagon and attacks his crew. I'm not cool with that. I thought that was way overboard. And I think he should get suspended, fined by the Nevada State Athletic Association. I thought that was atrocious. I thought that was bad for the sport with millions of people watching. He could have been the good guy, I guess, in this situation because obviously Connor attacked him on the bus. But I no, he's he's back to the villain, I think, in this situation. A very, very poor display of sportsmanship. I can't side with Khabib on this aspect. I think McGregor, I would be in, I would be furious if I was him, and he definitely is, and he wants a rematch, and I think he's going to get it. And uh, I think this will be a great right another uh, second fight. Well, Khabib, what he did after the fight, the fight after the fight, the mayhem it was terrible. It was terrible. It wasn't a good look. He could have been respectful. Even you, you don't have to help McGregor up. You don't have to congratulate him on a on a good fight. You know, coming back from a two year absence from the sport. Right. You, you absolutely let your emotions get the best of you. You hop out of the octagon and attack McGregor's jujitsu coach. I'm like, not. That, you, ru- that rubs start, me the wrong way. You start a full on brawl outside, and then three of your brothers, cousins, team yeah, members, jump whatever. jump over the fence. They jump over the fence. And they, clocking they, them. That's Bush. They that were is taking, low life. They were taking low sucker life. punches, cheap shots from behind at McGregor. That's shameful. It's what uncalled they did. for. It's shameful what they did, and I think Khabib should get his title stripped. He should get, he should get fined big time, and it was really, really Bush the way he handled all of this. So... I'm really disappointed in him. I think he's a phony. I think he's a fraud. I'm, I'm not. I'm not all for this dude. I'm sorry. He's just. He rubs me the wrong way. He's. You don't do that. After you gotta. You gotta. If you're humble, you gotta remain humble in victory or defeat. And he clearly didn't show that. So I'm not buying anything he's selling. No, I. I need to see, uh, Habib face a fine. I need him to get suspended. He. He's still the UFC's lightweight champion, but if he's suspended for a lengthy amount of time, I think um, from what I've been hearing around you know around the sport, the promotion will consider stripping him of that belt. Oh yeah, they, they would have to. That's that's just got to be in the uh, in the conversation. I'd love to see Khabib and McGregor stand up for five rounds. I think that would be I think that'd be a very interesting fight um, instead of just going to the ground every time, but. That's where he makes his money's worth, and he's really good on the ground. So I, I respect that part of his game, but I do not respect the actions that he made after the fight whatsoever. Right. What he did in the fight, you got to give that to him. You know, there's no denying that he's he's the undisputed a, champ. Right, but what you did? Come on now. Yeah, like you you can't do that. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I obviously this is a heated rivalry. 
and <laughs> with reasoning. And I don't know. I think a, a rematch is bound to happen. And I think I'm not going to give you my prediction on it now, but I think this will be a great fight. And I really hope it happens. Any any final thoughts? All in all, it was a great fight to watch. Shout hold up. Shout out to the the fights before the main event. Anthony Pettis and Tony Ferguson. Those dudes were just oh, they were going at each other. I've never blood. I've never seen a bloodier fight. Oh my gosh, they they had to call it the blood loss. And how about Derek Willis? Uh, rush knocking him out. That Russian guy out. I mean, oh, that guy was six seven. I know, he was six seven. He was absolutely ripped. He was enormous, oh my and he gosh. knocked him out without like ten seconds left. No, and the you thing know, is, the, that, the press conference after was hilarious. By the way, the oh, interview was. Oh, just, that was great. Cause, well, because it's unfiltered. Yeah. When and, when you're on pay per view. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, when you're on pay per view, anything goes. Anything goes. That's what it's I love a, about it's, it. It's all fair game. It was These guys are just going off on each other. What a, I mean, what a great night. All in all. McGregor, Habib, they both gave it their all, and the the madness that that ensued after the fight that was just something else. It really added a whole nother dimension, a whole nother element to this fight. But you know what? Rematch, baby. Rematch. That dude, I cannot wait. The Fighting Irish will be out in Vegas, ready to support, and we'll see. Stay tuned for that fight. 10 out of 10, would recommend checking that out. Yeah. But Dana White, get that going. Dana White, yeah, he needs to get that in the books. But you know what? That, unfortunately, that's all the time we have here at Power 5. That wraps up our... A lengthy podcast, for sure. Lengthy. If you're still listening to us, thank you for the support. 10 out Thanks of 10. For, we, pre- we, we sincerely appreciate that, and it really means a lot as we look to grow uh, our brand of what we bring. So thank you once again for listening right now or for listening to our previous podcasts. We really appreciate it. Stay tuned. Jake, I'll hand things over to you for our closing remarks. Well, if you haven't already, check us out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. You know where to find us. Once again, thank you so much for all of your support. We greatly appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to episode 58. Till next time, take it easy.